The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about life-changing messages that Paul Selig is going to share with us. We had him on the show before, and it was fascinating because he was he ha- he channels these beautiful light beings who can really teach us and him, (laughs) a great deal. So um, he's going to share the wisdom of the guides with us today. Let me tell you a little bit about him if you missed the show when he was on before. Paul Selig is one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. In his breakthrough works of channeled literature, including I Am the World, I Am the Word, Beyond the Known, Realization and Alchemy, which is just came out in August. He has recorded an extraordinary program uh, for personal and planetary evolution as humankind awakes to its divine nature. Paul was born in New York City, but now he's in beautiful Maui, lucky guy, and he received his master's degree from Yale. And he, he as a spiritual experience that he experienced in 1987, it left him clairvoyant. So he is a medium for living. Paul has this unique ability to step into the, to the people his clients ask about, often taking on their personalities and physical characteristics and maybe healing relationships. Um, his work has been featured on ABC News Nightline, Fox News, and uh, the Biography Channel series, The Unexplained and Elsewhere. Paul offers channeled workshops internationally, and he is an educator. He served on the faculty of New York University for over 25 years, and he has so much more, but you can find out more about him at Paul Selig, that's S-E-L-I-G dot com. Paul, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me. So, Paul, why um, tell us a little bit about this second book, you know, how, how is it that you ended up writing the second book? Well, I actually, you know, don't write the books. I sit in a chair, I close my eyes, there's an audience before me, and um, the guides that I work with dictate the books through me. So if you think of me as a radio and the book is the broadcast, the recordings um, from these sessions are sent to a transcriptionist typed up, and those become the books. So there's really no physical writing involved on my end, unless I, you know, elect to write a, a brief introduction to the text 
myself, but really the book is a channel text. And um, this is the second in a trilogy. Um, it's the third trilogy that the guides I work through have, have delivered through me. So there have been now eight books in print in the last, I think, 10 years, and they're, they're finishing up their ninth this week um, here on Maui, where I've been, mm. you know, um, for, for the last few months. Um, and that's what it is. So I don't elect to write them, but the guides are bringing through a sequential teaching on, you know, the, the realization of, of, of consciousness that, that they say is available to us now if we so choose it. Yeah, I know. Tell us, I know last time you told us about how this happened. Why don't you mm-hmm. explain to my audience now, you know, how did you really begin channeling and, and hearing these these words? You know, I'm not somebody who even necessarily believed in channeling. You know, I've, I've been something of a skeptic and I'm even challenged by what happens through me, although it happens so consistently that I've given up trying to debate it. But when I was... Um, 25. I was about a year out of graduate school. I began looking for something more, um, not because I thought it would be nice to get spiritual, but I had hit a real wall in my life. And I began to open up spiritually and psychically at the same time. Um, I studied a form of energy healing to get a context for the phenomena that I was beginning to experience. I was seeing little lights go off around people and feeling energy, and I didn't really know what to make of it. And um, I found after I studied that when I had my hands on people's bodies, um, I was volunteering at a center. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic in New York City at the time, and I was maybe 30, 31 years old. Um, I could hear things for the people that I was working with. So I would get information. They would validate the information. And I began to trust whatever the source of the information was. And as I did that, I began to open up more and more. So the channeling was nothing I was trying to do. Um, It wasn't something I thought I could do. I didn't even know if I believed in it. But it kept happening, and it kept getting proven out. And there was all this energy that was very palpable that people could feel when this was happening. And um, I just kept doing it. And then the books started coming through me about, you know, 10, 11 years ago. They began delivering entire books. Um, And then I just gave up, and I left my academic life just to, to do this fully. Now, did this start, were you actually doing Reiki, uh, or what were you doing that kind of got you into that that mm-hmm. realm where you could connect with what the, uh, the patients needed? Um, I, was, I went, was sent to work with an energy healer to get a context for what I was going through, and after about two years of getting worked on by him, I got the courage to ask if I could study. I studied a form of energy healing that's not being taught anymore. It was delivered through one of the first, I think she was one of the first 13 Reiki masters in the U.S. She was a student. Her name was Ethel Lombardi. She was a student of Madame Takata, who was a student of Dr. Asai. And she was teaching this method that she had brought through. And um, that's what I learned. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, it was it was in my toolkit. Initially, I just thought I would do that work, but... I don't have the patience for hands-on work. It's not really what I'm here for. But the other abilities made themselves known, and that's now, you know, what I'm working with. It was like the doorway that opened to this it other... It was a big doorway. Yeah. And it gave, me enormous, it gave me enormous permission. Once you start feeling your 
energy and you can begin to read the energy and know what it is. That for me, that changed everything. It meant that there was more than the 3D world that I'd been taught to believe in. Um, and, you know, having some evidence that's, you know, in the form of phenomena was for me enormously helpful in my ability to trust moving forward with any of this stuff. So, Paul, when you're ready to, I mean, obviously you're not, well, I shouldn't say obviously, um, let me ask you, they aren't talking to you all the time, right? You have, do you get into a state to be receptive? Do you go into the silence? How does this kind of happen to you? Well, it's always present, but it's always, I have, you imagine a radio, the station is always available, but I have to turn the dial to hear it. So that's my experience of it at this point. Um, you know, the guides I work with don't intrude. I don't, I'm not being pestered. You know, it's not like, that <laughs> it's like, Hey Paul, Hey Paul. At, yeah. Well, <laughs> Goldberg, you know, it's not like that at all, but it is, available. So if I, you know, I say they honor free will. I always say, you know, if I want to walk into traffic, they'll let me. But if I ask, is it's a good time to cross the street? They'll probably say not why. <laughs> and it's still up to me, you know, what I'm going to do. Right. So yeah, but it's I, I, when I when I dictate for a book or when I do a workshop, I, um, I do a, a sort of an extended prayer protection that I use to help me recede in consciousness and let them sort of take over the steering wheel when I'm working normally and in my daily life. I mean, I just always, you know, try to be clear on the source of, of what I'm listening to. Um, so it's, it's present, but it's not bothersome now. So you don't, you know, I'm thinking of like Edgar Casey, and, you know, mm. and when he would go into a, a place yeah. of, of uh, you know, to be receptive to hear what was going on. So yeah. that's what I'm asking you, kind of like, do, sure. you, do you sit down and get in a meditative state? No, I don't. Oh. No, it's, it's as simple as, no, I don't. I mean, I, I, can, I can switch gears very quickly at this point, but it's not like, it's, uh, I'm a radio, so if it doesn't, you know, the radio doesn't have to, to try. You just turn to the next station and you get a different broadcast, and that's how this works for me, mm. both when I'm channeling or when I'm working psychically. I do the the prayers of protection and things as a kind of meditation, because when I'm doing that, I'm letting my consciousness sort of climb into the back seat of the car to turn the wheel over to the consciousness that's, that wants to come through and dictate the books. But I only do that when I'm working on a text or if I'm doing a public channeling, when mm -hmm. the guides are really teaching. When I'm working psychically, it's a little bit back and forth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know for me, like when I'm going to meditate, I have three bells that go off on my, you know, my insight timer <laughs> before I meditate every morning. And that gets me ready. It's like my, yeah. that's my way of like turning the radio on that. And I know uh -huh. it's my time to go deep, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I was kind of questioning. Understood. Yeah. So um, how how does alchemy differ from the previous books? How would you say? Well, the guides are really speaking in alchemy about the transition one undergoes between what they call octaves. And octaves, they say we're existing in an octave, a shared collective octave. And they say an octave has low notes and high notes, and everything is in vibration and tone. 
And everything that we see is in coherence in this octave that we share collectively. What they're doing in these books is lifting us to what they say is the octave above the one we've been operating in. And they say any piece of music can be transposed or sung or played in a higher octave into infinity, but taking us one level up to what they call the upper room. And they call the upper room Christ mind, you know, divine mm -hmm. mind. They right. say it's a level of vibrational accord that we can come to that expresses beyond fear. And they say that there's a part of each of us, everybody, that already exists there. The God within anybody exists in that vibrational octave. And what they're doing is supporting us in sort of the, the process of transposition to begin to operate from that level. And the, the work of the Book of Alchemy is very much about the transition one makes from a small sense of self you know, my idea of myself to what the guides would call the divine self or the true self or the Christ itself. There's lots of different names, universal, eternal self, doesn't matter, that they say is already an expression, expression, expression there and is seeking to be realized. So it's the process of really moving into the upstairs apartment from the basement, although right. we didn't know we were in the basement until we start to experience what exists beyond it. Right. When you were talking about that vibrancy and tone, and, you know, I I really try to connect with that when I'm meditating, and, and when I'm not, obviously, to bring mm -hmm. myself up to a higher level. And, um, and I feel like now with all the chaos in the world, with the pandemic, with a lot of the acrimony that's going on, not only mm -hmm. just in our country, but in other countries that mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, I wonder, I, I have wondered for myself and I'm not, I'm not channeling, but I wonder for myself, is this really for us to see this so that we can transcend so we can see mm -hmm. it like right in our face, yeah. <laughs> you know, because sometimes we don't see something until it's right mm -hmm. at the, at you know, right in front of us at yep. a very deep level. I don't know. Can you speak to that at all? That's what I see happening. In the first book, The Guides Dictated, which was published in 2010, the guide said humanity is at a time of reckoning, and a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations. In their book, um, The Book of Truth, they talked about the times that we're in. And that basically everything that's been buried is, is going to be exhumed or come to the surface to be reseen or renown. And the purpose of this isn't to shame and to make wrong. The purpose is to lift because they say nothing can be healed until it is seen and right. transformed. So what they've said to me and in the books and to the students of this work, they've said, you know, if you've got a dead body buried in the basement, it's going to stick up, stink up the whole house eventually. And so what's happening right now is we're having to look at how we've been party to and complicit to fear. Right. The guides I work with say the action of fear is to claim more fear, and every choice we make in fear gets us more of the same. They make distinctions. They say prudence and caution is not fear. You know, if there's a manhole and you're walking down the street, walk around it. Right. That's right. prudent. You know, it's right. not it's called not being stupid. But um my understanding is guys is that everything that has been informed by fear, every structure 
whether it be economic, political, religious, all this stuff is having to be reclaimed in a higher way. And that doesn't happen unless we look at what we've claimed. Because the guides say, you know, we're in accord. They say A-C-C-O-R-D or A-C-H-O-R-D is on a piano with everything that we see. If you can see it, if you can bear witness to it, you're in vibrational accord to it, which means you're party to it. And, you know, what you're party to, the guides say, you shake hands with what you shake hands with, you hold. You know, you, you contribute to the structure of what you see, even the things you don't like. As the guides say, what you damn damns you back, what you bless, blesses you in return. And they're inviting right. us to let go of the old in order to receive the new. Two things really struck me from what you were saying when you were saying about shaking hands with that, you know. <laughs> And that's what we're we're not supposed to be shaking hands in the pandemic, right? We're not supposed to be mm -hmm. touching. And, you know, it, it's such a dichotomy of are we really to recognize that we're all one, yet we can't touch right now? You know, that's kind of been the dilemma last night. Um, I, I run a spiritual group that we, we've been meeting by, by Zoom, right? We're meeting by Zoom. It's calling a caring circle, and we, we talk about love, or we talk about these kinds mm -hmm. of things, spiritual things. And so we were, we were talking about the dichotomy of all this, but that we were connecting, even though we couldn't hug we yeah. were connecting by Zoom. We were feeling the energy of the mm -hmm. loving and the prayers and the talking mm -hmm. about all these mm -hmm. things. So it was, it was interesting. It is like I keep thinking, you know, metaphysically, what does the pandemic tell us? You know, what is the pandemic really telling us? On one hand, you know, the environment has been healthier, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, so many beautiful things have happened. The air is cleared up. The, you know, there are animals that are coming around, you know, and doing better and, and feeling that mm -hmm. they can roam. And um, so that's that was my question. Like, what is, what is the pandemic supposed to teach us about to go within? You know, to think, think about it, these things? I think it depends on who you are and what you need to let go of and what perhaps this could create an opportunity for. I think that there are many ways to interpret this, and I think people are doing their best. But unfortunately, a lot of what we want to do when we're in a place where there's no real sense of control is we try to exert control by claiming meaning. You know, this must mm -hmm. mean that, or this, I will feel better <laughs> if... I will feel better if the dream in which my mother died was not prophetic. You know? yeah, it's just yeah. a bad dream. Right. But I have a way of managing things. Right. And what I hear from the guides is part of the gift of this time, and they, this is an alchemy which was dictated before the pandemic. Right. They say something to the effect, I think it's even in the book flap on the, on the back of the book. They say, you know, the gift of the time is the unknown. It's learning to operate in the unknown. And they say your way is lit as you walk and not a moment before. We don't get to know the answer right mm -hmm, now. Mm -hmm. And that's terrifying for people who want to know the answer and they want to have a villain to fight or, or something or someone to, to blame. And the challenge, I think, of this time is to, to sit with ourselves, sit with our own issues it becomes an opportunity i'm i'm privileged i can work from wherever i am at this point in my life i'm no longer an academic where i'm tied to right. to being in a certain classroom 
And my life has completely transformed through this process. I was working in Costa Rica doing a retreat, and four days into the retreat, New York City went on to lockdown, and I never went home. That's why I'm on Maui. I literally right. left with a suitcase that I packed in my laptop. Right. And I'm having a very different experience of being. And I'm fortunate that I'm having this. It's providing me a lot of learning that I wouldn't have had. But my life has changed. I may never get go back to what I had. I was living in a tiny house with a hot plate. And, mm. and quite happy, I have to say, you know, when I got here. There was no place else to go. I was grateful for the shelter I had and the kindness of people who you know, fill my fridge when I wasn't allowed to leave because of the quarantine. Right. So, you know, this can be many, many things, but I do think, you know, people call it a great reset. People call it an opportunity to reflect. And I, I think it's probably all these things and more, but I think finally it's showing us how we treat ourselves and one another. And I think we're getting a lot of lessons in those things. And, you know, again, as the gods say, what you damn and who you damn damns you back. Yeah. And this can become an opportunity for something much higher if we if we offer it up at that level. If yeah. And become willing to have a higher experience of something. And we have a choice about how we want to think about it. Sure. So, you know, that's what I always say when people start talking about, oh, my God, look at this. And I just say, well, I choose to think about it as an mm -hmm. opportunity in disguise, you but, know, as a blessing yeah. in disguise. That's how I choose yeah. to think about it as that, you know, um, there's a lot of uncertainty in my life. You know, we're going to be moving, and we don't know when the house, we're building a house on the other side of the country. We don't know when it's going to be done. We don't know anything. And I just said, okay, we just have to be, you know, yeah. with this uncertainty. Yeah. Everything's uncertain. No one knows, Everything really. Is. Everything's We've uncertain. Had, yeah. Throughout the yeah. entire, what I think is so fascinating is that it's global, it's not just yeah, the United States. It's just yeah. that to me is like whether I'm in Africa or I'm in New Zealand, we are all vulnerable and all ex experiencing really the same thing, which to me mm -hmm. is is something I've never experienced in my lifetime. Yeah. You know, the guys I work with have talked about that, but this is really the first time in in, in our history where we've shared a collective event. Of, of this of this magnitude and you know it becomes an opportunity i think for all of us the gods i work with have said that humanity has chosen to to move forward to progress you know that that's a collective act that we're embarking on and in order for that to happen there's a fair amount of disassembling of the old right know, so that the new can be born so it's it may be productive it may not be yeah. Anything that I would choose personally, I wouldn't wish right. this on myself or anybody else. But it, as you said, you know, if it's if it's claimed as opportunity, our experience of it can be vastly different. Yeah. Let go of the old to make way for the new. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an exciting time as well. And it's, it's, you know, it's a challenge. I mean, that's what we're supposed mm -hmm. to be going through. So, but, yeah. I, you know, I loved when you were using the analogy of, of sound. And I keep thinking, mm -hmm. you know, what kept coming to me when you said that and what has been coming to me um, is harmony, the word mm -hmm. harmony. 
It's, Mm -hmm. you know, right now we're in disharmony. We're like an orchestra Mm -hmm. that's like warming Mm -hmm. up and they sound terrible. Uh (laughs) And then when they get it together and they're Mm -hmm. like unity, they're in unity, they're working together in unity and harmony, then it sounds beautiful. But right now we're in that warm up where everybody's you know the violin is playing and the and the trombone and they sound horrible but yeah. what but then there's that switch and they sound amazing so that's mm-hmm. what i keep thinking is going <laughs> to happen and i hope your guides are you know telling you that you know because that i do get that i don't know that it's going to be a comfortable journey i think we're at the beginning of something not at the end Um, I don't know if that harmony is achieved in my lifetime, but I hope so. And I think, you know, I hear we're going to make it. That's what I hear. You know, the guides have been pretty consistently accurate. So I'm going to trust that they are this time as well. Yeah, yeah. So what's really the hardest part of what you do? The hardest part of it is that it's coming through me that I don't feel particularly evolved. Um, I have my own, you know, concerns and worries still. Sure. Um, I don't know quite how this really happened, although it's become my life. I mean, truthfully, six years ago, I had two full-time academic appointments, and I was, <laughs> you know, turning my grades in at the end of the semester, and I was Grading papers. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, and I, I knew myself through that. So I'm still adjusting to the fact that this is now my life, and I'm grateful for it. I'm challenged by the work. I still question the teachings that come through me, because I have to, because I, if I don't understand something, I have to assume the reader can't understand either, so I'll question the guides, and they do come back and respond, and it's all published in the text, because it's unedited. Yeah. So I, and I don't know where it goes, you know, right now I'm just finishing up the ninth book. It's, um, I don't know. They say that there are more books. We'll see if the publisher wants to keep publishing. I have no idea what's next. I don't know if I'm going back to New York city, if I'm going to stay here on Maui, if my dog's going to get to me, if I, if I have her couriered, if I'm going to go back and get her and just stay, there's so much right now. And, you know, in the midst of all this, the consistency has been, the teachings of the guides and the work that they deliver, and they deliver it well and with love. So, and they you know, tell you, we. Are, I mean, I read. We are here. Mm-hmm. We are here. We are here. Exactly. Now, exactly. let me ask you something. So, the guides are guide are talking to you, and they're helping. They're talking through you. Um, yep. Do all of us have guides? I believe we do. You know, um, that's my understanding. Yes, we all have support here. You know, that's the guides that I work with, they're teachers. I don't know that I consider them my personal guides. You know, I still haven't, you know, you know, found me a mate, although I've said, find me the mate. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's my, I've got my stuff still too. But I do believe that, yes, we all have them. So, so when you teach, do you teach how to get in touch with your guides? No, no, it's not the work. Yeah. No, when the guides are teaching, they're teaching the evolution of consciousness. They're teaching the embodiment of what they tr- call the truth. They're attuning their students to work with the energies that come through, which are palpable and support them in their own realization. 
people do open up psychically through this work all the time. I mean, it's common. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's part of it. But I'm not teaching channeling or psychic development. All the guides address some of this in their books, but that's really not what they've come for. I think they've got bigger fish to fry than, you know, telling people how to, you know, work with a pendulum or, you know, talk to the dead. There are people that do that that I respect enormously and are very, very good teachers, but the guides are teaching something other. Yeah, my my co-author um, writes, and he has a guide that he mm-hmm. will, like, journal, and yeah. and then yeah. he'll journal all this, and it'll... It comes out of him, like he'll ask a question, you know, and then he'll get an answer. And I I forgot the name of his guide, but he actually has one. And I thought, oh, you know, I want my guide. (laughs) Well, there's people that do teach that and how to link up, you know, with your spirit guides. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to do that. But we are just out of time and Paul, thank you so much. It's always such a treat to talk to you and to read your book. I have I have uh, all these little yellow markers about the things that I really um, you know loved about your book and and things that that the guides have said that just like hit me right in the in my heart. So I yeah. love it. So I just want to mention the name of your book again. It's Alchemy: A Channeled Text, Book Two. The Beyond the Known Trilogy by Paul Selig, and just give your website, and we got to go. It's paulselig.com, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. Paul, thank you so much. I can't wait to see the third one. It'll be great. So you take thank care you, and enjoy your time in Maui. All right? Okay, bless you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 830 and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.